Welcome to the Oklahoma Outdoor Adventures Podcast, brought to you by Yellow Hat Outdoors. All right, everybody, welcome to episode 25. This is looking good on my computer. This is take number two, rookie move, Glenn over here. Just forgets to plug one cord in, and then, you know, the whole podcast is kind of junk. So, uh, we didn't get too far in, luckily, and so here we are, grinded. But, we got Hudson in the studio today. It is Memorial Day. Um, thank you for all the sacrifice from any veterans and everything like that. Um, it's an important day, not to forget, but it's a good weekend to get out there, you know, chase some fish and stuff while we're off work and um speaking of fish we have the fish whisperer in the house mr tom adams how are you doing dad i'm doing great that's good <laughs> that's about what you sounded like before i plugged in the stinking uh, mic all, all so. good all good glad to be here guys yeah so we got we got tom in the house today we're talking a little fly fishing um it's summertime those farm ponds, those neighborhood ponds, those lakes are calling our names with the fly rod. So uh, we thought we would talk through it. Hudson's been getting out there, learning how to throw the fly a little bit. Hudson, how was your first experience throwing the fly rod for some bluegill and bass? Super fun. Got rod whipped uh, <laughs> and uh, didn't get one in the boat. But I had two on the line, and that was better than I had hoped to do. And I... One of the things that I like the most is how satisfying it is when you make a cast and it go and it lands where you're wanting it to go with that. That's always awesome. Yeah, yeah you're, you're like, oh man, like, look what I just did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, I might have a chance. I'm impressed with myself. Yeah, you betcha. <laughs> yeah, I feel yeah. like I feel like with a bait caster, usually I can get it within like a you know like a little dessert plate of where I want it to, but. The fly rod, if I can get it within a foot, I'm pretty happy usually. Yeah. yeah. It was it was a lot of fun, and I'm excited to go back out again and uh, hopefully actually get one in the boat this time. But uh, speaking, I just thought of this, uh, speaking of Memorial Day weekend, did you guys see that story of, I don't know what lake it was on, but some drunk guy purposefully rammed a wildlife boat what the heck? Yes. Where? Uh, I don't. Was some some lake in Oklahoma? No way. Yeah. yeah. So he, I don't know why he was enraged, uh, but literally just full on rammed this fish and wildlife boat. Oh shoot, dude, that's scary. Yeah. There's nothing you can do for a boat charging at you except I, try and get out of the way. Yeah. I I hope he got. Freaking yeah, I mean, surely you can something. light them up for that, it's right? Yeah, yeah. Like, I mean, well, like that's like that's, that's a deadly, deadly forest. Yeah. I mean, I I would assume I don't know. I'm not a game warden, but yeah, surely. I will say I, I am like Memorial Day weekend. Always a little hesitant to like go fish like a public lake because yeah. especially like a a lake that's also like a sporting lake or whatever. Like, just like fishing stuff is fine, yeah. but. You know, it's always a little like got to keep your head on a swivel. Yeah. Texoma, you fall a yeah. killer grand keystone, <laughs> bunch of knuckleheads. Yeah, if yeah. you're on if you're on early and off by you know nine or nine thirty, I would think that would take yeah. most of the the families and the water skiers and those guys, the tubers. It'd take a little while for to get everybody to get breakfast and get out on the lake. But yeah, yeah, go early. You betcha. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, hopefully everyone's. Not too drunk by 9.30 a.m. So Boy, that's awful early. I guess it's 5 o'clock somewhere. That's right. So. <laughs> There's always exceptions to every rule. Yep. Well, uh, hey, we went out, was that two weekends ago, and, and hammered some bluegill on top? Uh, yeah, it was last Sunday. That yeah. was fun. Yeah. Uh, we at, had our prayer meeting on the water. That's right. You that's right. You. Watched online church. We did church on the water. Always a good time. I. Hudson sent me a quote the other day, and it was like, I'd rather be uh, on the water thinking about church than in church thinking about fishing. So Classic. <laughs> classic. You betcha. I'm like, hey, that's some good words to live by. There. Yeah, Mr. Preacher Man would understand that one. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Well, uh, Dad, you've taken a few people out on, on those ponds. Um, anything that you've been enjoying targeting them on this time of year? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I would I would say this before we dive too far into that. Um, 
It's interesting the number of people that talk about their first experience with fly fishing, watching their dad or grandpa throwing popping bugs, bass bugs, poppers, any of those topwater flies. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that was that's their first memory of seeing anybody fly fishing. Really? Especially locally here. Yeah. You know, certainly then, you know, you have all the Colorado and the trout fishing and all that kind of stuff. But it's interesting the number of people that talk about, you know, hey, my first experience is seeing my grandpa throwing a popping bug while I was drowning a minnow under a bobber. Mm-hmm. And, you know, hey, that's that's the place to get started. And usually it's it's one of those things like, yeah, those bass would just come up and just annihilate that, you know, that topwater bug. So, uh-huh. yeah, but I, it is <clears throat> it is interesting. The number of people that kind of that's their first reference point uh, uh-huh. to it. Yeah. And yeah. then you have the other side of the spectrum that's like uh, you can fly fish for bass, you know, like exactly. it's just like just breaks their brain that like it's not just all these little tiny I feel like probably maybe in the fly shop, not as much, but a lot of my job when I tell people I fly fish, they're like, oh, so you love throwing those little bitty things on the top and watching those trout. And I'm like, well, yeah, but I also like throwing those big flies for those big bass and stripers and stuff like that. That's lots of fun. Lots of options locally here. And that's probably been a lot of the the discussion um, since the shop's been open a little over a year now is just the discussion of like, well, where do you fly fish around here? So, Mm -hmm. and then right back to your, your statement there, just saying, Hey, you know, we fly fish for everything that swims, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Carp and striped bass and largemouth and bluegill and, you know, just anything that swims in the, you know, neighborhood pond or, you know, lake or, or even river or creeks. Um, they use a lot of creeks, even within the city limits of Oklahoma city here that are, full of bass and bluegill and carp and gar and all those fish will readily take a fly and just need to get get bushwhacking down in there and try to find them and you know i can have a big long bombing cast but you know short cast flipping them up streams underneath you know trees and things like that so mm-hmm. just watch yeah. out for homeless camps is my uh my uh, you want to be aware no doubt about that <laughs> And yeah. stay off private property. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. That <laughs> although, always helps. Although the high water mark is uh, one one option, but if that homeowner's got a bigger gun than you do, then you probably say, "Yes, sir, I'm out of here." Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And we've discussed many times our feelings for neighborhood, you know, old ladies that think they own a portion of a pond or whatever. Yeah. Cry me a river. That's not how it works. So, well, back to your original question. Yeah, it's. Uh, it's time to get out on those ponds and, and, you know, top water is kind of the fun game cause it's so visual. Um, uh, but early and late and even like the day, like today is partly cloudy. Um, I'd fish a top water fly all day long. Mm-hmm. Just, you know, be aware where you're going with that, uh, you know, with that fly to the structure and Hudson, like you were saying the, you know, the moss beds and the weed edges and stuff like that. Those are great ambush points. And, you know, a lot of us have bass fished over the years. We just need to make that little bit of a twist and say how we're going to get that fly presented to that bass in that ambush position, you know, whether it's a log or a rock or overhanging tree or weed beds or something like that. So, but it is a fun time to catch those top water, uh, top, get those top water uh, bites, you know, and a popping bug and diving bugs and things like that. It's visual, and that's what most people think about in fly fishing is just the visual topwater part of it. When you start to go subsurface, then, you know, it's it's a little bit different. It's a little less, you know, what they were expecting, you know. Mm-hmm. So, but, yeah. uh, boy, these these bass the last month and a half and the big bluegill, and they've sure been accommodating on the topwater. It's been a lot of fun. Gosh, that's awesome. It's been do, you, good. Uh, do you guys like to... Uh, after you, you cast your fly out top water, do you uh, pop it at all and let it sit there for a while, or do you do you like to just cast it, let it sit for fifteen seconds, nothing happens, do another cast, or uh, how do you like to do it? That's and that's a great question. Really <laughs> so many people want to take that fly and really fast erratic retrieve mm-hmm. and. I always kind of think back, like, okay, what are you trying to imitate? Is that a shad that's kind of, you know, 
twitching on the surface or is it a frog swimming? There's, there's not too many things that I'm aware of that, that have that big, fast, erratic retrieve. I mean, you're, you're stripping that fly really fast across the top of the water. Um, I like to tell people, it's like, cast it out there, get it close to the target you're, you're going for, and then just let the, the ripples of the water where it landed kind of start to dissipate before you twitch it. Um, and the longer you keep it in the strike zone around that piece of structure, the better chance you have. So halfway back to the float tube or the boat or whatever, it's time to pick it up and recast again. But keep it in there a long time and, man, slow retrieves. I mean, so slow that you're getting anxious about the whole deal. Mm. You know, thinking of, you know, this this massive fish just sitting under your fly waiting to annihilate it. You know, you're just going... He's right there. I know as soon as I twitch, he's going to come out and hammer it, you know. So keeping it in the strike zone a long time, and that's not a big, fast, erratic retrieve. I mean, short twitches, four, six inches, just let it sit. That's what all those rubber legs hanging off the side of it, the feathers, the marabou off the back end of it. I mean, that's what that's sitting in the water for, just twitching. Um, So a little bit of, you know, wind ripple, that's even better. I mean, it's, yeah, the movement's there. I mean, you don't have to impart that action too much. It's it's there. Just make them anxious enough to come up and say, well, I better hit it before it goes swimming off. So, but uh, fishing it slow. Have the patience to do that. Sweet. Yeah. Yeah, I always think about, like, as a kid, whenever I would catch a grasshopper or something on the side and you throw it out there, you know, it might twitch around for a second and then it's like, hang on, I think if I sit still... There's less of a chance, you know, of something exactly. eating me or whatever. But, you know, you watch it and it might move around a little bit and then it'll be still for a little while. And then it might try and swim again real fast and then it's going to sit still. And I think, yeah, we're just trying to imitate that. Well, and that's that's the observation of it. <clears throat> you know, you're you're what's what's this natural critter normally do out on the water? And it's not that big, fast retrieve like that. It's twitching and, and just even a mouse swimming across the water. I mean, they don't swim well. So sometimes they're underwater just trying to keep moving back to vegetation or whatever tree they fell off of or log or whatever. And they're not swimming fast. I mean, they're just barely getting their head above the water to get a breath of air and then they're a subsurface. So you can see a lot of that kind of stuff, you know, YouTubing it or just taking a minute when you get to a pond or a lake and just watch, just observe. We do a lot of that in the trout fishing world to see what's happening before you tie on your favorite fly and plunk it out there in the creek or river and, and you know, nothing like that's going on. So observation's huge. And it's the same way in the hunting world. That's why we have game cameras and all the rest of that stuff is just mm-hmm. observing what's going on first. Yeah, I saw a really co- uh, cool video about, you know, you saying observe of these guys and they were like, we hitting this stream not catching anything and then after an hour they went and they picked up a rock and looked at all the bugs on there and then they they matched matched the hatch or whatever exactly. and, and yeah. then just started catching them and i think and that's something i don't do enough i think is not kind of you know really before i start just chunking stuff in the water to kind of be like okay what what do, what do i really think is going what are they eating right here or like what do i need to kind of mimic and all that well, we speaking of you know, rabbit holes, we could go off on that one for hours. Um, <laughs> that's one of my favorite discussions and topics is what's in the river. I mean, how do you, where do you start? I mean, the whole discussion could start, say all of us are going to Yellowstone two years from now in August. We could start now and figuring out what flies we need to take with us to imitate what bugs are, you know, active that time of year. And those hatch charts are all over the the internet. I mean, in, in the local fly shops. I mean, start looking at their blogs and their information for if they have it historical two or three years in August, and you can make a pattern. I mean, you can look and see what's happening every year. And my my bet is you'll see that about ninety percent of the flies are the same ones from the year before. Throw in a few new ones because they got to kind of keep selling a few new flies, local patterns, that mm-hmm. kind of stuff. But I guarantee it's the same stuff year after year after year. And it's the same way, you know, bass fishing, warm water fishing. I mean, it's all about, you know, observation and looking and, you know, get a plan before you go. Get prepped and ready. But like we're talking about, I mean, right now the topwater game is 
it's game time on that deal. It is just too much fun to watch them come up and hammer it. Or sometimes the fish are so small as bluegill and stuff, they try to hammer it and grab the tail of it and carry it off underwater and you try to set the hook and nothing's there. That, I mean, that happened to me oh, a few yeah. times. I was like, God dang it. Like, and my dad was like, we don't want the ones that can't even eat it. Like, yeah, I was like, bet. yeah, that's fair. But. Well, some of those bluegill, you, you get them to the boat after you've hooked them and you like, how did that fly even go in his mouth? It's so really? small, you know? So I tell a lot of people, just smash the barb down so that you can just take your finger and poke it backwards mm-hmm. and get it to where you can kind of manipulate it to get it out of there. Because sometimes you'd look in there and go, I have no idea how I'm going to get that thing back out. Yeah, so a pair of hemos would be great to have along. Uh-huh. Yeah, sometimes you can't even fit the hemos in there. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, like, There's no room. What the heck do I do here? Yeah. Uh, yeah, I was thinking about what you were saying as far as, you know, matching the hatch and stuff and how I think people want to overthink the forage that's in a pond or whatever because, you know, they want to use the latest and greatest whatever bait and nothing's really changing that much. You know, like you maybe the season, you know, there's a different thing or maybe the water color changes a little bit. So you need to use a different color for the fish to see it better. But at the end of the day, it's not like the whole forage base is changing every year or anything like that. Absolutely. Usually, if you can figure it out and write down those conditions or whatever, Mm -hmm. and then if those conditions are happening around the same time next year and you're fishing the same time of structure and everything, odds are you'll still catch fish on that. So, I think everybody's memory is a little bit foggy. So, oh, yeah. I would highly encourage people to uh, take some notes, you know, put it in your notes of your phone. I don't know, even go to the the weather page and take a screenshot of it just so you remember. But recording that information, whether you're in the mountains fishing on the 4th of July up in Colorado someplace or here, just, you know, refresh your memory. You know, I wish we all could remember the details from a trip, you know, last year or two years ago. And sometimes we'd probably be surprised in what we wrote down. So I like writing who I went with, a little bit about water temp and you know what flies we were using you know what approach we had um and you know rarely is it the number of fish it's usually the type of fish um and if there was something you know interesting that you know someone's a little different weird color or a a nice size or shape you know just you would just write some just general information there but uh it's it's interesting to go back 10 12 15 years and go, wow, I forgot about that trip or we use that. I even forgot. I have those in my fly boxes, you know, so it is, it is interesting to do that, but, uh, a lot of fun. And in, again, that top water bite and whether you're throwing things that dive under the water and float back to the surface, uh, Dahlberg diver styles, or it's, it's popping bugs, just moving that water, that chug, you know, that, uh, that fly moved across the top of the water. Um, again, it, it's, you're just waiting for that, you know, the classic toilet flush, you know, mm-hmm. the fly just disappears, you know, swirls and is gone in this big bucket mouth and, or the bass comes up from behind it, like, you know, some sea creature or it comes up and hits it with the side of its face to stun it and then takes it. Um, I've been caught sitting there watching it in my float tube, watch it happen and go down and going, wow, that's, oh, I got to set the hook. You know? It's like, dad. And, and sometimes I'll just sit there in awe of just watching it and the fish will be carrying it off. And usually they take it so deep and so big that you give them a little time and I don't set the hook too early. I let them have it and start to swim off before I set the hook. So but all of my hooks are, are debarbed just because they come out of me easier. The fish, I'm not really that worried about. But, uh, you know, sometimes they'll take it pretty deep just in a real quick movement. Uh-huh. Um, but, uh, yeah, they're they're hungry. They're after it. But those takes are a lot of fun. You sit there and, you know, you're the only one on the pond giggling to yourself going, that was cool, <laughs> you know. I'm going to need to do some hatch research. I'll be going to Angel Fire in August and be fishing around like Red River and stuff. Uh, So I fished there before, but I wasn't fly fishing or anything. There was a a pond that that 
I went and fished, but I'm definitely going to be fly fishing it. So I got to do some research and I'll probably be back, be in your shop before I head out there to update my, my little tackle box selection. Yeah. That's a great time of year to be out there. Hudson. Um, you got a lot of the top water activity things are on top hatching out hoppers late season, a lot of terrestrials, crickets and ants and all that kind of fun, fun stuff. So, um, you'll have a, a great opportunity to catch them on top. So, so that'll, that'll be a fun time of year to be out there, even on into September. So there's a lot of fun water out there too. Uh, what it's the, crazy. I mean, what's the saying? So much water and so little time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Do y'all usually fish in town out there, Hudson or, um, so I last, uh, we went there two summers ago and I, yeah, we just fished pretty, fished a little bit in town and then went a little bit out of town of Red River and there was this little kind of fishing hole. Um, but before that, my uncle had a cabin in Red River oh, and that's cool. we would fish, we would fish this, there was a stream right in his front yard that we would just, we'd just fish. And once again, it wasn't fly fishing or anything, uh-huh. but, um, so I know the area, uh, decently well but yeah. um yeah i'm excited to actually get some flies on out there and hopefully be fun yeah be really fun hey guys can we touch on uh, equipment for yeah. the bass world yeah that, um, warm water i was thinking about asking you that yeah, yeah what what are your i guess if you want to just start maybe rod reel and then maybe from there kind of line and typical yeah. kind of area yeah you want to talk about Maybe your favorite rod to take out or favorite weight of rod. Yeah. I think we've talked about that a little in the past. That's essentially the higher weight is what they call it rod than um, the bigger, basically, fly that you can throw. So the lower numbers are usually for smaller little flies and stuff. Um, and then, you know, higher number, you're throwing that heavier line um, and it allows you to throw heavier flies. So. But yeah, what what kind of weight of rod um, are you thinking whenever you're going out there chasing some bass and bluegill in the summertime? Well, definitely, it you know you're right on on the on the sizing thing. The smaller the number, the the lighter the the line weight, and you know it's it's yeah based a little bit on the critter you're trying to catch, um, but it's really based on the size of fly you're trying to th- flow, uh, throw. So larger fly heavier fly you need a heavier line weight to pull it through the air because we are not casting the lure anymore we are casting the fly line so everything we tie to the end of it adds resistance to this big old bass popping bug that's where you need to kind of move towards seven eight even nine weights on windy days if you're throwing striper flies down on texoma you know you're you're up in that eight nine weight category Um, a lot of the local ponds around here um, there's certainly smaller poppers and even some of your trout flies that would grasshopper patterns and things like that. You could throw on your five weight trout outfit, but we sell a lot of six weights at the shop because people kind of mix it up a little bit at the pond and majority trout fishing. So you've got a line weight heavier that kind of helps you throw that fly through the air. But uh, my suggestion in the bass world would be definitely a minimum six weight. But moving towards seven and eights, mm-hmm. um, that really helps you. And, you know, there's rarely a, a calm day in Oklahoma bass fishing. I mean, it's usually, yeah. you know, a little bit of wind chop and that kind of stuff. So <clears throat> seven and eight weights tend to help you out in that, in that category. And without a doubt, a floating fly line. Um, sinking lines, sink tip lines tend to get you in trouble in the local ponds because um, that fly can get down six, eight, ten feet deep, hung up in a treetop, and you're going, great. Now it's so far down there, I can't even reach it with the with my fly rod. And speaking of that, let me just go into this little public service <laughs> announcement right quick here. When you're trying to get a fly off of a, a limb or a tree subsurface and you're using your rod tip, on a really nice rod you just bought, think about the ratio of a broken tip to the fly you're trying to retrieve. <laughs> so, you know, at the minimum, you know, 40 to 60 bucks to replace a tip section on a rod. 
So you look at that fly and it's like, yeah, I just spent five bucks on it at the fly shop. You know, I don't want to break it off. I think I can get it off there. Well, just make sure you kind of figure out it, just where you want to put your money there. So be careful. That's what, when you break some pros and cons there. <laughs> right. You sound um, like you're speaking from experience, maybe. Well, I've not broken a rod yet. <laughs> yet. Um, I'm sure my time's coming. But uh, so anyway, um, one other thing I would say about about bass fishing in general. <clears throat> we alluded to it a little bit earlier about, you know, tipping and leader and <clears throat> those things. You just want to, in a, in a bass world, I think that in a leader, that's that invisible connection between the fly line and the fly itself. We want to move towards heavier leaders, uh, bass leaders, saltwater leaders, not just heavy trout leaders, but doing a bass or saltwater leader, the, end that's connected to the fly line will help turn the fly over with that stiffer monofilament material and the leader doesn't have to be 10 12 feet long in a bass world you know six to seven feet's very sufficient you know it's plenty as a matter of fact if it is windy and you're throwing a bigger fly and you're having trouble getting it to turn over correctly shorten that leader up even if it's four or five feet that is going to help you make that cast and that presentation into that because, like we said, these fish aren't leader shy. They're not nervous about that monofilament tied to the end of it. They're coming with their mouth open, getting ready to clobber that fly out there. So I've just not seen refusals like you would in a trout world. But the heavier bass leaders, you know, really help you turn that fly over and put it right where you want it to be. And I, I'm just not a fan of pulling off a, you know, five feet of, you know, 15-pound trilene and tying it on. You're just not getting the benefit of that leader being able to turn that over. And most leaders are, you know, five to seven bucks. I mean, mm -hmm. I think all of us could afford a nice leader to get that to perform well for you. That's the uh, frustrating thing that you can eliminate. Just get that bass leader and turn it over. Yeah. One last thing on tackle, I would say this. Everybody's got their favorite knots in the whole world <clears throat> that they're tying their lures on with. In the bass world, um, bluegill, all that kind of stuff, top water, I'm a big fan of loop knots. So lefties loop knot, non-slip mono loop knots, those knots that stay open give that fly more movement. So learn a knot, practice it, and use that out on any of your top water flies, popping bugs, bass bugs, hopper patterns, even trout fishing. I mean, it gives that fly sitting there a whole lot more movement besides a piece of cable tied to its neck and, you know, trying to choke it or something <laughs> like that. It's just set there, just movement, and it's just subtle movements. Um, I've heard a lot of guides in Colorado are using these loop knots even on smaller subsurface trout flies, giving them all the movement, every chance of movement, making it look alive than the next guy. So you're seeing a lot of loop knots used out there um, just to increase movement of flies, top water or subsurface. But seven, eight weight, floating fly line, bass leader, loop knot, favorite top water fly, bam, you're ready to go. You're in the game. So moving from a five weight to an eight weight, a little bit of a line weight difference there so your arm is gonna get tired um so uh hudson but, found that one out uh, oh yeah <laughs> first i'll get stronger yeah you will and the technique will improve and you won't have the the fatigue that you had originally just because your technique's better yeah well and i'll stop i'll let my fly sit there a lot longer now there you instead go. of just yeah yeah let's not beat the water into a bunch of foam and froth out there but but that would be my typical layout, guys. And there's there's kits at the shop that are, you know, seven and eight weight kits, rod, reel, line, leader. Everything's on there, ready to go. You just got to buy a popper and put it on there and go have some fun. And like I said, it's it's prime time. It's prime time to do that. And uh, uh, it's, it's, it's fun to watch. For it's sure. fun to watch. Well, hey, um, since you mentioned it, will you take just a second, maybe talk about um, – some options as far as someone's like, Hey, I, I do kind of want to try, you know, fly fishing for some bass, um, this summer, maybe eventually I might want to try trout. Uh, obviously if they're here, we want them to go see you at the shop, go by JD Adams there. 
122nd May. There's your plug. Um, come <laughs> see you. Thank you very much. And, um, but, like, what are what are those combos that you're kind of talking about? Where, where are you going to steer them towards? Do you have... Gotcha. Yeah. Do you have some go-tos that you like to do and maybe just a general price range to maybe give someone an idea about that or give their significant other an idea i don't know what's the next major holiday coming father's day father's day fourth of july i I don't know does it matter (laughs) yeah you don't need a holiday to love your spouse you betcha or boyfriend or yeah whoever yeah yeah. or get your wife into it whatever no um which they are better casters Oh, you, you would bring that up. That's painful for most of us uh, guys. Um, I, yeah, back to outfits. Um, it, we have outfits um, from uh, Orvis, the Encounter and Clearwater sets. Um, Reddington now's, now has a series called the Wrangler, which uh, they have in five, six, seven, and eight weights. Rod reel line, everything ready to go in a four-piece size, typically nine foot in length, in a rod reel case, ready to go. All you got to do is pick that up out of the closet and a box of flies, and you're off to the races. So That's awesome. Um, but uh, Reddington does one. Um, like I said, Orvis does one. We've got some from um, Temple Fork Outfitters, mm-hmm. uh, the NXT Outfits. So there's probably one more that I'm I'm forgetting, bud. But uh, those those outfits are a great place to start. And to be honest with you, they're not money poorly spent because you you've got an outfit, you've gotten started, you kind of got the fever, you're feeling confident about what you got going on, and then you know you want to move up. You know you want to move up to the next level combo. Most of them start around two hundred bucks or something like that. You can go all the way up to probably 400 bucks in an outfit like that. But everything moves up. Better fly line, better reel, um, better action of rod and better components, lighter weight. Uh, so all of them are four-piece, like I said, in size, so they travel well. Um, but uh, there's lots of, lots of different places to start there. But that kit, once you own that, then that is your backup when you travel. Even though it's an eight-weight, if you go up to trout fish and you got your second uh, rod is a five weight even if you break that five weight on a trip you can pull out your eight weight and you've got your backup rod ready to go now there's a lot of shops in the rocky mountain states that'll rent you a rod and reel if you end up breaking one on a trip or happily sell you one um sure. but there's there's lots of opportunities for rental when you're on traveling like that waiters waiter boots i mean there's they, they've got all that stuff they understand you just showed up and all of a sudden, the family wants to try this. Well, that looks like cool. Let's let's go do that instead of going to do the water park or something like that. Let's go try this fly fishing thing. So those shops are ready and willing to um, help you out there and get you going. But those outfits, again, they're great backups, but they're the great place to get started. And when you get some grandma money at uh, Christmas time or you know whatever, start putting that away and and start upgrading your equipment a little bit at a time. But just first thing to do is just step out there and get going. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or come ask us to borrow one. <laughs> like, yeah. I mean, at the minimum, or someone to take you out, just just get out there and get after it. It's fun. Yeah, especially those ponds locally here. I mean, every housing addition that's being built now has a pond in it, water fountain in it, whatever. But most of those developers will put some bass and bluegill and channel cat in it and that kind of stuff. And those fish are just waiting to be harassed. You need to just get out there and have some fun, man. I can do that. Oh, yeah. Sign me up. Hey, so, um, you know, we've covered a little bit about how to chase them, things like that. Uh, where, like, what are some of your fun stories and um, fun places that you, you like to chase bass or that you have over the years or, you know, funny stories about sinking a float tube or breaking a rod or anything. You got any of those stories that come to mind? I see you giggling already. So, <laughs> wow, I'm sure there's more that how more much, than <laughs> how much time do we have? Yeah. yeah, we could ramble on this one for a while. Yeah, you know, just getting out there and to be honest with you guys, just having the opportunity over the years and and actually making the opportunity to just go out. Instead of sitting and watching a, a baseball game or golf or, you know, whatever it is, something on TV, <clears throat> I've just chosen to get out there and go fishing, you know. Even if it's just an hour someplace. I mean, we all have friends that, you know, live in these housing additions and stuff, and they're begging us to come over and, 
you know, have a hot dog or a hamburger or, hey, you know, the boat's out back. Just take it and go. You know, tell me you're coming and I'll put the trolling motor in it and you can go after it. But uh, some of those places, um, some of my favorites would be um, Elmer Lake up by Kingfisher. These would be mm-hmm. just some department lakes. Um, that's I, I, Yeah, you got history with that lake. It's <laughs> Another story for another time. Yeah. Um, Hudson but, made me lose a rod there. <laughs> made you. you know. I left it on the bank and it was gone by the time I got back. That, I mean, I made record time back there, too. That was a combined Glenn lost poles. I think lightning struck a barn, started a fire yeah. out there, like all in like 20 minutes. We almost got struck by lightning on the water. It, it, was, a, it was a rapid, crazy hour trying to get off the water and out of there but anyways trying to survive <laughs> yeah yeah that was that's a really that was a really fun lake i haven't been back there yet but only little, fatality was my loose speed spool oh Gosh, dang it but uh yeah it's a little low right now hopefully with some rain uh, that'll get some water back in it uh, the department did a lot of work in putting structure and stuff out there but um uh, one of my favorites over the years was uh watonga up at uh, romano's that lake's drained right now, making some repairs and stuff. But I suspect when it comes back, there'll be there's a lot of cover and stuff out there. That was one of my favorites. American Horse is still probably top of my list. Just years of fishing out there and messing around, and probably one of my favorite stories about uh, American Horse is Glenn and I float tubing out there. Get out there early, and my opinion, it 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 fishes best early. It's an early morning bite. Now evening bites, not bad. It's not bad at all out there. So, but it's that last hour and a half or so. Uh, but we went out float tubing and we started out on the north end of the lake and we're in the float tubes kicking and I've got this massive fly in my eight weight and I'm hucking it to the shoreline and Glenn's kind of batting clean up behind me and, you know, we're. Sounds about right. Yeah. <laughs> Getting front fished by that the whole way. Front ended the whole way down there. But we're throwing these big. I was throwing a big white streamer there, a uh, big bait fish pattern, right where a bass ought to be. And every fish that hit was a channel cat. I mean, <laughs> Mr. Whiskers up to see what's going on. You know, they just clobber it. It was just crazy stuff. And you know you had another one on when it just stayed deep and went right past you out to deep water. Mm. Come up and your wa- your leader's all slimed up and trying to grab yeah. it without getting thinned and, you know, Whoa. pop it off there and put him back in and... Next cast, boom, there's another one. And you're just going, what? This is nuts. Not a single bass until we are two hours into it and we're getting close to the dam. We started at the north end. We're kicking into the south wind, going into the wind, trying to work our way down this shoreline. And then all of a sudden, the schooling bass come up behind us. Turn around, flip a cast over my shoulder. Glenn puts a cast over there. We get two nice bass. It's like... Well, and there we go. Now we got what we were looking for. We end up at the dam at this point, probably two and a half, three hours later, kicking in the float tubes and thinking, all right, bud, you know, we've got some nice fish. It's been a blast. We probably better get heading back. And at that time, we realized that the wind had switched. Oh. And now it's out of the north. And we're going, oh, no. And I'm thinking, do I go to the boat ramp? leave the tube there and walk the road back around to get the car. Nah, we're men. Let's go do this. And we just start kicking back upstream or back up the lake, hitting some spots here and there. Yeah. We may have caught another fish or two. I don't remember, but I looked at my watch and it was 52 minutes of kicking to get back to the truck. Yeah. Now I was, you know, hospitalized after that the next day. Cause yeah. I couldn't move. <laughs> um, but it was one of those days you're just thinking, Wow channel candidate just about every cast schooling bass i mean those are kind of things you just go out there for it's the memories of that stuff you know you're just going this is this is a riot you know we're just having way too much fun you know and most of the time now recently it's you know a sid's burger onion burger at el reno on the way back i mean what a way to go maybe better than catching a fish Well, now that you mention it, sometimes it's, it's the icing on the cake for sure. It is about lunchtime. Oh, no. don't bring that up. <laughs> the, the grill needs to get fired up here. But, yeah. you know, one other place that, that people talk about and uh, spend a little time at, too, are just these city lakes. 
you know, the, the kids lake off of, uh, Wilshire and, you know, um, what's the other one? Um, uh, South Lake, uh, is way down South of town. Um, I think the, the, uh, city guys have done a great job and a little plug for John at the fa- uh, hatchery there. He's done a great job on the city lakes and really getting information about them and getting them stocked up and even their trout fishing program. John's done a little fly fishing too. He's the, the fisheries biologist guy now. So great young man, just good stuff. And he's got a lot of great information. He's just pouring his heart into it. Just make these fisheries better. So That's awesome. great source of info for sure. But these city lakes, I mean, man, you could do it on your way home from work, you know? Sorry, honey, I was a little late at the office, you know? <laughs> She'll know when you show up and your knees are muddy or your feet are wet or something like that, you know? Just it, just take a few minutes. Yeah, it's just, but uh, yeah, well, maybe we'll have to do uh, one of those uh, one of those podcasts on just this happened to us uh-huh. and we survived, you know? <laughs> yeah. That day, I mean, it, and it wasn't just a, a light North breeze. No, I mean, it was brutal. I mean, this is one of those like, Oh, it was uphill both ways. But I mean, it really, it was like a 15 mile an hour wind. Like it was, it was heavy. It'll, it'll whip through American horse yeah. too when it's North or South. I mean, cause it, it kind of runs North South. Yeah. Or, it just I, yeah it runs channels north south. in there and it's, yeah, it'll, blow you around it's like going through the puget sound or whatever that is you know down in the antarctic where they've got those 50 foot waves that's what it felt like that day <laughs> captain phillips here i'm commanding my ship through it puget <laughs> sounds out of washington <laughs> oh well yeah whatever <laughs> cape cod i don't know one of those places i think we've established <laughs> i didn't pay attention to geography or government so <laughs> Loud, I was too busy fishing. L- Josh loud and clear. There you go. <laughs> Work on that environmental science degree. Yeah. Doing, yeah. Uh, Practical uh, application. Absolutely. I'm all for studies. that. Field you studies. Bet. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. I, I, gosh, just so many good times of jacking around out there. I think the only reason I made it through that day is because I'd been tubing out there all summer. My legs were in shape. Yep. Yeah. Little bike riding, little tubing. Man, I was in tip-top shape. You're ready to rock and roll. What more could I hope for? I, I do think there was a period of time once we hit the shore there by the truck that we did take a minute and rest. So Yeah. <laughs> like, I can't even stand up yet. I yeah. need some time. <laughs> well, speaking of, you know, bass and channel cat and bluegill and all that stuff, there's, there's so many different other species to chase. And, you know, the rough fish, the carp, you know, they'll readily take a take a fly um there's some something to be talked about um about understanding what a carp's doing you know if their head's down and their tail's up and they're eating then you have a chance of catching them on the fly if they're just swimming around like they're moving one place to the next don't bother um but you know there's there's a lot of those carp in in the back end of you know coves of big lakes and ponds and that kind of stuff and there's plenty of them around in oklahoma city and these creeks and stuff and if you hook one of those guys on a fly rod i mean it's that's the freshwater bonefish i mean that's we're off to the races yeah so and some of them can get massive yeah i mean massive so yeah but you know gar i mean we've caught even drum yeah. i mean I, I probably sometime need to make a list of the different species that caught just you know in oklahoma on the fly it would be it'd be a lot of fun just to kind of see you know how many different species and things like that. So, yeah, I just looked it up. There's 13 species of like you know what we call bluegill slash sunfish. You know, mm-hmm. I'm like surely I've caught most of those, but I don't stink it no, You know, yeah. I just of- call them all bluegill or sunfish. <laughs> you know, <laughs> well that is a that is a one that's a little unknown, and you know there's certainly posters with pictures on them and stuff and then you got all the hybrid versions of them so that one's getting harder and harder to figure out for yeah. sure yeah because sure. they yeah just keep crossing and yeah all that yeah. stuff well and there's plenty of discussion talked about how many times they they can spawn in a in a summer season um so there's there's lots of discussion saying they can spawn multiple times so it's great uh, if you've seen those little moon craters in any pond or lake out there, that's that's where those bluegill are spawning up. Those little, I don't know, plate size, you know, 
little dishes, that's where they spawn each time. And I've heard it's, you know, every full moon or new moon, whatever it is, but uh, they can get three or four or five times spawning. And I think that's why they're so prolific. Yeah. 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 Well, and I feel like I always see that around like boat ramps and stuff too. You know, you're just kind of putting in and you look over, you're like, oh, there's some little nest right there. Mm -hmm. It's awesome. Yeah. Cause I think, yeah, you, someone had told you new moon and full moon so yeah. if that happened that's at least six times over the summer like that's yeah, awesome get that water temp right and off to the races yeah yeah and yeah. me and you have even just hammered sand bass here around the city before we, mm -hmm. you know it's just yeah. it's it's just so much less about what you're targeting and more about just getting out there and spending some time in the well Fresh air might be an overstatement for <laughs> the humidity these days and the summer heat, but yeah. you know what I mean. It's gosh, it's it's just about getting out there. Hudson's about to get out there and hook a five pounder on the fly rod and be Dude. just way in over his head. That's gonna be about a my my dad was re recording me on a few casts. If he's recording, it's gonna be about a ten minute fight of me just getting <laughs> tossed around the boat and yelling getting whipped yeah just praying that it just happens to swim close enough and we can net it without me having to <laughs> having to reel having to fight it too long yeah yeah i was getting some cool drone footage of uh me and my dad fishing the other day got a few top water bites and everything you should you should post one of those today post today is monday today is monday normal day we post so yeah, yeah i definitely will post that today yeah, it, it's fun to fly the drone around, too, and get that different perspective, like you were saying yeah. about hitting the structure and everything. One thing you pounded into my head as a kid was that um, fish don't have eyelids. So if you're fishing and there's much light out, you should target structure because it's an ambush point, but also they don't have eyelids, so they need a little shade. Yeah. So even finding a shade line can be just as good as... Um, you know, being right up there next to the structure and everything. So that also plays into, you know, throwing top water and everything like that. But Well, and when we pulled up to that pond uh, last Sunday, first thing we heard was turkey goblin. Oh. And he didn't stop for an hour and a half. So God. it's just those things. You're going, man, I can't believe the season's over, you know, yeah. <laughs> already. But just, he just gobbling. I mean, just... It just went on for an hour and a half. I mean, we got to laughing because it was like, dude must be lonely. <laughs> yeah. I don't know what's going on, but uh, he was he went till he was horse is all I can tell you. So, but, American horse. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Those things, you know. Too bad of a joke for you, Hudson. <laughs> I was going to make another bad one. <laughs> yeah, they're always gobbling when it's not season. Oh, so, amen to that. Hey. We've always threatened about doing the casting blast, so maybe there's, it's, it's there's time. Some, there's some places around you can do it. We can do that. You watch those WMAs around the big lakes, and and you can get there. That's what all those guys are doing, deer hunting and stuff. Is taking the boats out and trying to get you know just off the beaten path. Not a bad idea. Not a bad idea. No, I I I bet you can get into some. Back into some gnarly country where the where the big boys cruise around during whitetail season. Uh -huh. I'm sure. I mean, that's where I've whenever I've hunted public land. It's always after my dad sends me on a death march. Is whenever I see some. <laughs> I've seen some bruisers come through. But uh, it's funny. I was watching a video um, a couple of days ago, and these guys are, you know, whitetail hunting this really. I mean, pressured property, and. Um, there's all these trucks everyone's got bikes and all this stuff to get way back in there and they're sitting 70 yards from the road and kill these two 10 point bruisers on public land they're sitting there watching trucks drive by and they have this giant deer down and uh, their buddies come to pick them up and this guy you know drives past me he's got bikes in the back and everything and they're like, oh, uh, how'd you do? And they're like, oh, well, we're about to help my buddy pack one out. And he's like, oh, man. Uh, he's like, uh, he's like, great. You know, that's awesome. You know, you guys, were they the ones up on the hill here? And he's like, yeah, yeah. 
he's like, yeah, we, uh, you know, we biked way back in there, you know, under the bridge on the river, you know, a couple miles back. We didn't see a thing. And they were just laughing because they're filming this whole exchange, you know, from 80 yards. The guy has no idea that they just shot, you know, a yeah. trophy 10 points. Nice. Sometimes, yeah, those close spots are a little overlooked. So, oh, my gosh. Well, yeah, I think that's a good place probably to wrap it up. You got anything else to add, Hudson? Any any fly fishing questions? To... Um, I mean, I don't, I don't think so. Do you... I don't think so. <laughs> where, where are we going? I don't know. I mean, do you think? Um, I mean, I don't know if I should have brought my setup. I was just gonna want like wonder if my setup was good enough to chase bass with or not i mean yeah i guess i mean obviously i'm not like i'm throwing it out there a bass hits it a bass hits it i don't know if if what i'm throwing was like because i was just throwing one of those white grass hoppers um yeah maybe, with maybe. like a five it was like five or six foot leader yeah. um and we should maybe quickly touch on that just some flies that you like to use gotcha. you know maybe some whether it's a general name like a hopper or you know you can get into the chernobyl ants or whatever but yeah yeah, what are some um flies both surface and subsurface you like to target um, bass and bluegill with uh bass wise on top um any of the topwater poppers um mentioned a little bit about the, the the dahlberg diver or the sliders they're basically kind of a popper head turned around so the pointed end is grabs the water and slides under the surface and then floats back to the top it's pretty um, sweet action. yeah you just get this long and just just this stream of bubbles out out the back of it and just let it sit again don't work them too fast but there's deer hair versions of that that Dahlberg diver um the the popping bugs or top water bugs i'm real fan right now of the double barrel popper it's like two cylinders side by side so the the width of the popper it's more oblong than it is just a straight cylinder a circle so you catch more water at the surface level and move that water so definitely something unique and also the body's a little bit soft so i think when the fish grabs it it's got a little squish little give um, i think that's that's part of it um, and colors, I mean, everybody's got their, their theories on overcast days or, you know, water clarity and those kinds of things. Um, but, you know, just, you know, all the little peeper frogs are out, bullfrogs are out. I mean, when you drive up to the pond in the morning or late in the evening, they're usually croaking and chirping and, you know, bellering. So you'll kind of know that, hey, some of those critters are out. But like you mentioned, uh, you know, bluegill flies, I mean, certainly use any trout fly that you want to for sure but those foam bodied uh, chernobyl ants or what's called chubby chernobyls that foam bodied material and the rubber legs off of them and that's just absolutely the most durable topwater type fly you can go with they don't tear up the deer hair and that kind of stuff those foam ones and if you're a fly tire i mean tie them i mean it's a couple of strips of foam and then couple sets of rubber legs and boom you're off to the races i mean that's it just doesn't doesn't need to be complicated um but just giving an impression a silhouette that you know looks of interest to them subsurface wise i mean it's it's hard to beat a a clouser minnow which is a little bit of bucktail and dark over light you know chartreuse and white is by far one of your most productive patterns um but subsurface, all of those bait fish imitations. And if you're working an area that's real rocky points and things like that, I mean, there are a ton of crayfish uh, patterns, flies that are really very productive and you can fish them, you know, slow as you need to. Um, right now, some of the more popular patterns are articulated with multiple shanks or multiple hooks so that they move. So the game changer style flies are a little more expensive. So, you know, pick up, you know, one or two at a time and, you know, say, you know, grab the change out of your ashtray, whatever you need to do. But um, just, you know, some of those, there's so much movement on them that it's, it's just ridiculous. Um, and once again, just, you know, find flies that stay in the strike zone longer. Real heavily weighted flies, especially in lake situations, 
not particularly the the best thing because it you know gets through the strike zone and you know to someplace else before you really need to. You can always count it down or stop and wait and let it sink. Um, but uh, you know the bigger and the heavier the flies, the little harder they are to cast. So just keep it basic. Um, even if you just had the old classic woolly bugger, you could go out there and just slay the bluegill until your arm was tired. I mean, it just doesn't just doesn't take much. Those bluegill are very accommodating, mm-hmm. and as a fly tire, that's what you do on some of your nicer trout flies. Is you start out with those and try to get your technique down where they look nicer, and you start a box of the ones that don't look exactly right. Like oh, I forgot the tail or the wing or something weird on it. Just put them in a bluegill box because the bluegill eat them. Yeah, they'll eat anything. You know, so They're not but a lot of fun. Yet. Yeah. Yeah. And another thing that you used to do um, whenever we were kids to really, you know, if for normally bluegill biting is not a problem, but um, if we still weren't catching a ton, you know, you would do a little trailer off of one of those topwater ones. So what are some like, I mean, pretty much anything. I feel like you could do a little any kind of nymph pattern. Anything weighted. I mean, anything with a little bead on it. Yeah, those little micro jigs down below uh-huh. a popping bug, about 12 to 14 inches. Now you have to, you know, you make your cast a little bit different to present those, but it's really weird to see that popping bug going backwards. Uh huh. Yeah. The bluegills grab that and start running off the different direction. But yeah, what do you call that? A dry dropper or hopper dropper uh-huh. kind of setup. And yeah, you'll, you'll have a fun morning with that kind of combo hooked you guys with it so oh yeah definitely and i've probably hooked myself with it too so yeah probably <laughs> did i remember one time you smacked by a clouser with by you <laughs> i was just in the wrong spot smoked me right in the neck it didn't stick but i was like oh <laughs> that stings <laughs> i guess i was a bad kid that day or something so <laughs> Didn't clean my room to, before. You're trying to get in front of him. Like, yeah, yeah, I was trying to front fish him, and he smacked me. No, <laughs> that'll teach you. That's right. It did teach me. Uh, so anyway, I guess yeah, that's a good place to wrap it up. Uh, thanks for coming on, sharing a little of your knowledge with us. Yeah, Appreciate you bet. It. Always a ton of fun, and uh, we'll need to do one about this happened to me out on the fishing ponds and stuff. That's there's always some great uh, great stories there. Definitely, just always almost too many to. Too many to go into. Well, they seem to get better over time. What you've forgotten, you just kind of make up. So it just gets better and better. Yep. And then, yeah, you just, you tell the, the, uh, first ones that come to mind and then they just get nastier and stinkier. The first liar doesn't have a chance. Slimier. (laughs) So all good. Well, that's awesome. Yeah. Thanks for coming on Hudson. Any final thoughts there? Uh, no, but I feel uh, every time every time Tom comes on, I feel a little more confident in my potential of catching fish on a fly. So you feel empowered. Yeah, I'm <laughs> hopefully going to be going out again like this week, and I can try and hit hit some top water. Yeah, I was literally thinking like, man, I was going to go to the gym before the cookout, but I'm like, well, maybe we could go fish for a few minutes. <laughs> Hey, I want to give Hudson a shout out because the last day of turkey season, I was sitting at work. I was ready to go. I was going to get off at 2.30 and I said, Hudson, what's to stop me from just leaving work right now, coming to get you and me and you turkey hunt until dark? And I was trying to be a bad friend and and be toxic and get him to go. (laughs) And he held strong to his values and didn't ditch his girlfriend. So. I just feel like I need to give him a shout out for that one because I was being toxic. That's some that's some strength he, right there. I, he uh, he almost got me because I was like, <laughs> I, I was looking at the clock and I was like, well, she gets off at four. Glenn was texting me at like a little afternoon probably, and I was like, if you got off at like an hour earlier, 
like, and you booked it here. We could still get a couple hours in before she got <laughs> off work and try and make it back in time. But I was like, ah, there's just when it's it's like you rationalize anything. It's oh, like yeah. you know the guy that goes to the casino. It's like, well, I got twenty bucks. I may as well try and turn it into fifty. It's like it's a it was a lose lose situation. Yeah. No way we would have shot one. Yeah, that's what that's what we came around to. Is like we're not hey, gonna kill anything. But if we did before yeah. four thirty, <laughs> you never would have been home. Yeah. Never would have been an issue but anyway uh yeah we'll wrap it up there uh hope you guys had a good memorial day weekend this is coming out tomorrow so uh that'll be good uh not sure what we've got on the hook next but um thanks for tuning in dad where can people find you uh maybe your social media the shop social media website location any of that stuff um that people can get into contact with you if they've got more questions or want to get their hands on some of this stuff or you know just kind of talk things over with you yeah so yeah jd adams uh, phone number out there is 405-242-3520 um, websites up and rolling you can drop some questions there at info at jdadamsco.com um yeah just you know, reach out with any questions happy to, to answer those um this time of year we're doing a lot of casting lessons so if somebody wants to just try to figure out the cast or you know the mystery of it or work on their cast and just get some details kind of finalized so it's you know it's less effort um, we do casting lessons at the shop too just call and and we'll we'll schedule a time that works for both of us but uh a lot of that that fly casting is just a little bit of a mystery, and people want to just make sure they're in the in the right spot to get going. And we've got a trip coming up to you know the Rocky Mountains or something. Come on, get a casting lesson and be ready to just go fish when your guide shows up. He doesn't have to spend the next hour and a half giving you a casting lesson when you could be catching fish. Yeah, yeah, that's good. So practice your cast just like you would hit a bucket of balls out at the golf range or something like that. Get that fly route practice out in the backyard yeah it's uh, it's all right your neighbors will only harass you for a little while you know <laughs> catch any yet no you know go back in the house yeah a few grass carp <laughs> oh, yeah, there you go. <laughs> yeah well that's awesome uh yeah be sure we can answer some questions but um if you're interested in you know getting any gear or anything and you're here in the city definitely go check my dad's shop out um and uh yeah if you like the podcast Make sure you keep listening and tell someone about it. So we appreciate everyone listening, and um, we'll catch you next time. Peace out. Thanks.